1: Hey, everybody. Jordan here. Uh, We hope you enjoyed the upcoming interview we got for you. We recorded this a couple weeks ago. So this was recorded before the overturning of the Roe v. Wade case. So if we're not talking to the elephant in the room, it's because the elephant hadn't quite entered the room just yet. That being said, I hope you enjoyed the conversation we have with Donnie. Thanks.
2: You know, Biden's big problem right now. The difference between when you when you watch Trump speak or when you, when you watch Obama speak and you couldn't list two more different people, you lean in, you know, is that charisma. You know, and, and I found Trump to give me charisma, I'm giving him too much credit, but you know, there is, he, there was a compelling nature to his persona. So you need somebody that has a, I hate the word personality, it's such an overused word but a brand essence themselves that is able to transcend the issues and bring people together. Donnie
1: You're telling me I hearts. should run. Donnie, I should run. That's Don, what I'm hearing. It's,
3: it's it, yes, there you go, Jordan, you can do it. Jordan, good to see you again. Listen, I um, I wanted to tell you something that's, I am taking swimming lessons. <laughs> Serious swimming lessons, and I want serious to tell you swimming, why.
1: Lemon. Like, uh, like, like, with an end goal, we we talking Olympics. You're going
3: you're to understand. I am. I'm talking about, you know, we swim in a pool, but now I'm going to get into the open sea swimming lessons. And here's why. In Los Angeles County, uh, there has been op- the OpenBooks.com discovered LA's highest paid ocean lifeguard. The captain name, I don't think I should give you his name, but he raked in a total of $510,283 in total compensation last year, nearly half of which, $246,000, was from overtime pay. Now, his base salary is $150,000. He brought in another $28,000 in other pay and $85,000 in benefits to surpass the half million dollar mark. Here's the interesting thing. All told, 98 LA lifeguards made at least $200,000 last year. And so, you know, there was another guy, he made $409,000. So what do you think? I mean, I,
1: you know? You know what? I, I understand that completely. First of all, the, the number of hats you have to wear being a lifeguard. Uh, one, you have to be able to save a life at the drop of a hat. Two, you have to look good on a beach. And also in LA, everybody is judging you on your looks. You're in a position not only of power, but of actual height. You're literally on a pedestal. And I think that is that that's a heavy crown to wear. So the fact that we're we're paying somebody like that a fair wage, perhaps a more than fair wage, I think that's a that's a good sign for humanity.
3: So what do you think about my taking swimming lessons? I mean, maybe I'll go out there and of course, I'm not sure I'm going to meet all those categories, I was going right? to say,
1: Governor, swimming lessons is no. a great start, but we're talking push-ups. We're talking about keto I look, diet. I look really good. I'm just telling you.
3: All that is—I'm <laughs> is, taking care of all all of that. Why well, don't we talk to Whit about that? You know, we've got to give these young kids something they ought to, uh, you know, they ought to yearn for. Maybe you know his th- goal could be a, an open sea lifeguard. And I'm not minimizing it. I I've been out—I was in Los Angeles walking on the beach there, and it's— you know that water's just—it's coming in big waves, and it's cold and everything else. But I never thought that they made five hundred thousand dollars. That's more than the president, you know, it's, than the president makes.
1: It's nearly impossible here in New York. Maybe they're to doing a better get, job than the president, though. You know, they could be. You know, maybe they're more effective. It's—it's uh, it's almost impossible in New York to get um, swimming lessons for children right now. There's there's been a few articles about it, and we're smack dab in the middle of it. You have to sign up months in advance. Take it in the winter, even if you don't want to take it, but get your spot if you want to have even a chance to take toddler swimming lessons. Which is literally you like throw money at somebody, you dip a child in a pool, they scream, and you pull them out thirty minutes max. And that there's a wait list around the block. So if you can even get into a swimming lesson, I would I would take advantage of that immediately. It's well, you clearly know, my, kids,
3: my kids took it early on, even when they were like I guess one, and they really have become pretty darn good swimmers. Along with my wife and I do swim. But to be honest, I'm terrible just a terrible, terrible swimmer. so that's why I'm doing a podcast
1: because swimmings doesn't appear <laughs> to be in know. my future so, invest in yourself swimming's the new crypto I've always said it
3: all right why don't we uh why don't you go ahead, Jordan, and introduce our very interesting guest who who's kind of watching us talk about all this and it's it's like he's totally bored he hasn't No, cracked a smile. It's like he's thinking, "Why am? Why?
1: What am I doing here?" And I can understand that. That's. I think we're all having that question in our mind. It's like we're just we're just talking. This is an art form right now, podcasting. You know, we're fellow podcast compatriots. We've been on his podcast. He's an entrepreneur, a top branding expert, television personality. You've seen him on CNNBC, MSNBC, CNN, USA. He currently hosts a podcast called On Brand with Donnie Deutsch, where he explores the power of branding and how to look beyond it. And like I said, we had the pleasure of joining On Brand as guests in March. The tables now have turned. Donnie Deutsch, welcome to Kasich & Klepper. How are you? Thank you, Jordan. Thank you, Governor.
2: You know, it was interesting. One of the reasons the life. I was listening, by the way, is a lifeguard shortage. So part of the reason that I actually just bizarrely read this a week or two ago that they can't find lifeguards. So that's supply and demand. So that's one of the reasons the prices are so high up. So governor, I think, he, you know, I would keep doing those push-ups, and, and it could all happen.
3: Well, you know, why do we have a shortage of this? What's happening, Donnie? You're a, a great businessman and political analyst. I mean, where, where are these lifeguards? I, I think the same place
2: with the jobs overall, there's, there's 1.8 person for every one job out there. I, I mean, this is a result of flooding the economy with tons of money. A lot of people decided to stay home. They would just kind of count their money and not go to work. So I think the lifeguard industry is no different than any other part of the labor force right now. And I think we're seeing it and we're kind of living with the problems about right now.
1: That's a tough job. The responsibility on a job like that, which I would say has even colloquially a lifeguard. I don't want to say it's a a joke profession, even though we've made a few jokes about it, but you have it in popular culture in Baywatch. You have all, all weird 70s and 80s films have a moment in a public pool where either a dookie happens that a lifeguard well, look, has a, to a contend Jaws. with. Or think a, of Jaws. You know? Jaws, sharks yeah. are, are, are taking these things down in the sandlot where we're inappropriately kissing lifeguards. We're treating these, in pop culture, we're treating lifeguards with zero respect. And then we're asking them for low wages to go out and save our children because we're too busy being drunk on the beach. Like forever, we've contextualized this industry incorrectly. I think that's a good point, and there's
3: nothing worse than disrespecting a, a profession. And,
1: you know, I, but, you
3: know, it's, it's men and women who are lifeguards too, Jordan. It's not just a guy, you know, with big muscles, you know. Women can be unbelievably, you know, think about their, their ability to surf. Some of the greatest surfers in the world uh, are women and fearless, but I think it's, it's a, it, it is a kind of a tough job, but, you know, there's a lot of tough jobs. I mean, my friends on the highway patrol, if I told them they could make $500,000 a year, you know, uh, I think they, I'm going to bring this up to them next time I see them. Maybe they'll leave what they're doing and become a lifeguard. So <laughs> <laughs>
1: Donnie, I want to talk. I want to start off a little bit with. Uh, well, one, we're almost out of time. It's primarily lifeguard <laughs> discussions right now. We're just really trying to get down to the bottom of this lifeguard thing. Lifeguards but, 24 yeah. seven. In the small amount of time that we have left post lifeguarding here, I want to talk about your your podcast. Which I said before, we had the luxury of being on, but I think the idea behind this is fascinating. I I, I want you to talk about on brand. I read that you said. Part of the reason you did this podcast is to unlearn the principle that perception is reality, uh, which, which I need you to unpack that for me.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, the premise of the podcast is that everything today is a brand. Every person, every celebrity, every athlete, every movement, every religion, everything today is a brand. The word gets over you. If, you know, if you've got a Facebook page, you're a brand. I mean, you're putting out a set of values. You're putting out images. You're putting out words. And a brand is basically a set of values. So everything is a brand today. And, and it, it's what we do on the podcast is we kind of up and down, which brands are up, which brands are down for the week. And then we interview interesting personalities about their own personal brands, as we have a few guys on. Uh, and so that's kind of the simple premise. I spent most of my life running an ad agency for years, you know, working for some of the big corporations in the world, and I've kind of taking that into television, into the media, into podcasting now, and talking about branding.
1: Now I want I we're going to talk about this kind of in a, a more macro sense but I want to dial down when you when you say a brand is a set of values what as a Rube who looks at branding, I think mostly from an advertising perspective, which you spent decades in, and I see a brand not as a set of values, but as an item that can be sold to me. How do you break that down as a set of values? Ad- what, what do you mean? How does Coke well, have values?
2: Well, we, well, well let's, let's take Nike. You go in and buy a Nike. You go in and buying a Nike because, well, I love the waffle soles and this and that. I mean, obviously, it's going to feel good. Look, you're buying a just-do-it mentality, self-empowerment. In other words, because all sneakers are same basically so what separates most products most well, you don't most, wear hokas
3: most, clearly danny you don't no, no
2: Donnie, I don't you, don't, I wear you a... don't
3: wear hokas so don't be talking about no. all sneakers or bait what i mean what the heck kind of a comment is you know the sneaker industry is not going to hire you all they're all the same come on
2: well i what different what i like putting, you know, what really differentiate differentiates them is the branding that's the difference between okay. the sneakers it's not it's not technological advancements if okay. i look, put, put a Puma and a nike and Adidas, they're all beautifully made, They're all different styles. But what separates one from the other is the branding, is that LeBron James and Michael Jordan and, and be like Mike and just do it. And so that's what, but, you know, Sort of like
3: whiskey, sort of like whiskey. You could have all kind. Of, I don't know anything about whiskey. You know, we've had a long podcast about whiskey one day, but I can't tell the difference between this whiskey and that whiskey. So is that right, Jordan?
1: It's all I, the same. I, I, I will validate your ignorance. Yes, that is correct. <laughs> you know,
2: booze is a perfect example. It's it, because it's what I call under French product. At the end of the day, they all say, well, we're triple distilled or we yeah. were we were virgins, you know, harnessed our, our vodka and, you know, curated it for four centuries until monks came along. and it. You know, they just, it's creating what we call a bar defense. What a bar defense is, is that, if I'm going to go and buy a twenty-dollar drink instead of a ten-dollar drink, I have to have it in my mind a defense. Oh, this is triple distilled; it's worth that much money. That's what's called a bar defense.
1: I like that. Which is you—you can—and a nice term. It's—it's it's, these are the values, but it's also like what is the bullshit we need to sell you so you don't feel bad explaining it to your loved ones that you spent money on this.
2: Yeah, I need a Mercedes Benz. Obviously, all cars are not created equal, or whatnot. But what separates a Mercedes from another high-end luxury car? Is that imagery that somebody? Well, if I'm driving the best, if I have that logo in the front there, I'm discerning. I'm smart. I can. I I've, I've scaled the socioeconomic ladder. So it's it's all of that. Yes, it's a great product, and there's a difference between a Mercedes and a and a Kia. Although I know they could become less
1: and less different these days. But uh, that's that's why guys like me were able to make a living. You also said obviously we're talking about brands here, but if you expand this, you've talked about people being brands, what, yes. what images you put out as well. I'm curious, you know, you, you've you, you're not only comment on the world of advertising and culture, but politics as well. Can mm-hmm. issues be brands, and should they be approached of that course. way? Of
2: course, I, I mean issues are brands. Uh, you know, gun control is a brand, and that's it's just it. You know that that is if you if you really break down the essence. Is it about guns when somebody says I'm you know, anti doing anything and I'm pro second amendment, or is it more of about, I'm, you can't tell me what to do. And there's no, and I am a such a rugged individualist that I am not going to subscribe to any type of moderation. And, uh, and I know, I believe in, I believe in less government that I believe in the power of protecting myself and not letting government. So it, it, it's not about the gun itself. It's what the gun stands for. And uh, so I, I, so yes, with every issue. Same thing with, with abortion. Obviously, abortion is the issue of a woman's right to choose her pre- reproductive organs and protect them and do all the right. But it's a bigger statement about I'm progressive, I'm evolved. I I believe in uh, women's empowerment. So the issues themselves are the issues, but the branding and the essence of the value system at- associated are much broader. And 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 that's where when you attach emotion to something, that's where you get the essence of a brand. That's what, you know what I mean? It's just, that's where it, that's why it was interesting. What was so powerful about Matthew McConaughey and people who got on the speech is that you you just saw the raw emotion of a gun owner and just holding up that sneaker and just, what, what is, I don't remember exactly what he said, but it is like that emotion is a big part of branding. So that's much more than him getting up there and saying, this has got to stop. We need new laws, we need, which obviously that's the left brain side of it. But the right brain side of it in all branding exercises is critically important.
3: Donnie, the, uh, if you were to take a look at the, you know, you've been in this a long time. You've, what would you say are the most successful two or three brands? I mean, Nike's got to be right up at the top, you know, and it still stays strong, right? What, what Nike, are some of the other uh, ones?
2: I begrudgingly say Donald Trump. Uh, you know, you can love him or hate him. He has understood branding, he has understood marketing. Uh, he has kind of, you know, his authenticity is probably more than anything what got him elected. Um, he is a brand that emotionally, that's why now it's whole, it's whole beyond Trump now, it's Trumpism. And because it's a set of values, it's an attitude, it's, uh, uh you know, I'm not going to let the man tell me what to do and I'm going to protect this country and I'm going to keep it white, and I'm going to keep it right and I'm going right to right keep us, Entrenched where we were, you know, 50 years ago and all the stuff that goes with that. And he's, he initially was brilliant in making mass clicks. You know, he was the one who sold what being a rich guy was to the masses. And the insane upside down quality about him is that he ended up selling this incredible populism where he's been a populist as the man in the movies, you know, but somehow because of the way he spoke. And the way he conducted himself, the average guy said, ah, oh, he, he gets me. He's like me where he could give a fuck about
1: the average guy. I was always impressed, especially with Donald Trump when he first ran in 2016. Donald Trump was a a used in rap lyrics as as that just meant wealth. It mean meant success. Like at the just the, yes. the image of Donald Trump in and of itself was boiled down to the point that musicians would use him as a quick reference point to success, which to me almost felt like an impossibility to overcome when culturally you are emblematic of, of success. And I, I do wonder when you fast forward to other other characters in the the movement now who perhaps are going to take over the DeSantises and what have you. And I think like they're obviously borrowing elements from the MAGA branding, but the one thing they don't have is sort of this this cultural identity of success that has been with us for for decades and i wonder if you remove that if you remove trump from the equation how much is the maga brand reliant on the uh success story of the american dream that donald trump uh inadvertently or um you know purposefully built up around himself and we lived with for decades
2: i i think that's not a big important part of the brand right now you know if anything the irony of donald trump has been a failure in so many instances but what's scary about some of the other characters now, they are more potent because they come in more accessible clothing. You know, Donald Trump now is easy for a lot of people to dismiss because it's crazy and this is liar and, it's lying and it's this Yet the DeSantis of the world, who, who stand for some of the same heinous type, fascist type leanings, are packaged better. And you can't look at the guy and go, look at your crazy uncle and me at the mouth in the corner. They present themselves as more presentable and more digestible and more... Not so crazy. Where in fact the value systems are the same. So the brand is actually packaged better for a Desantis or even a John polly or some of these other fucking crazies today, because they don't come with the with the crazy trimmings, the the apparent crazy trimmings that, that Trump comes to. They're more they're more um, softly packaged, for lack of a better word.
3: Well, how about those on the left, Donnie? You want to talk about any of those? And I really do want to talk about the Republican brand and the Democrat brand. But, you know, what about what's your view of some of these folks on on the hard left?
2: Well, there I just as you know, by the way, anybody that gets up there and says, you know, defund the police, you're just to me disqualified in this. It's just that, you know, the difference right now between the two parties is the party the Republican Party seems to be more co-opted. By that extremism where the extremism exists on the left but it doesn't seem to be where the the of the party is right now yes you have the AOCs and you, you have that you know the the group of them but it doesn't seem to be getting traction within the party itself whereas the right wing of the Republican Party has really taken over and become the mainstream part of the party so just for, I'm, a, I'm a Democrat and I'm a moderate and I don't know a Democrat in my travels, that says, yeah, AOC, that's what it's about. Now, 20 years from now, we may be saying they're very different too, because you talk to people under the age of 34 and they think socialism is good work. Uh, and I'll just use that as just an example. So AOC is still, I think, a generation away from being a mainstream part of the party, but it's the extreme on both sides are equally as dangerous. So
3: if you were if you were gonna try to go and fix the Republican brand, first of all, what do you think the Republican brand is? And in- We're going to put you in charge of fixing it. What would you do? The
2: Republican brand right now is is a is a party of grievance. They don't stand for any policy. They stand for uh, let's. I I believe such a huge essence of it is let's keep the country white and let's keep the power. uh, You know, amongst less than more, and let's be less inclusive versus more inclusive, and let's. Let's stay where we were 20, 30, 40 years ago, as opposed to becoming more global and more inclusive and more diverse. And it's a pure party of grievance and reactionaryism. Uh, The irony is, and you know this, John, and you you ran successfully for years on this, is that this country lives just right in center. So if right now in the next election, I actually hope the Republicans run Trump because I think that's the only chance the Democrats can hold on. I think right now, if they ran DeSantis or they ran anybody, they would win in a landslide for all the obvious reasons of what's going on in this country. And now, obviously, we're still two and a half years away, but, you know, this economy looks like we're here for a while. And and unfortunately, if you say the the average person, well, you can either vote for making sure that democracy is okay or making sure a loaf of bread is cheaper, they tend to go with what's in front of them. So the very things that the Democrats are what what this committee is all about, what everything is all about, where we are on the precipice of our democracy, I don't know as tragic and as frightening as it seems that the our average voter, if that is the motivator for them. It should be, because we don't have that, we don't have anything. But, but the average but Donnie, person is voting this. for so, their-
3: So let's yeah. say you're, I've always felt that, you know, you don't last very long if all you are is about grievance. In other words, Agreed. if you look at advertising campaigns, you know, you don't have too many companies that are attacking another company because it's about grievance. Yeah, in to. the long run, grievance you're doesn't work, does
2: it? Not in the long run, but fear does. Yeah. And fear is a great motive. And so if you turn that word into fear, and you know, it's what's a very powerful this has been the message of autocrats throughout history, which is if you're unhappy with your lot in life, it's not your fault, it's the others' fault. Yeah. It's the Jews' fault. It's the Muslims' fault. It's the bankers' yeah. fault. It's the media's fault, and that's very powerful, and that's the negative ultimate populism. essence right now. Yeah, negative. Yes, populism, and that's that's, where we, popul- that's yes, where we are. That's where we are. Right? No, and and it's it's getting more and more extreme, and it is. Um, it, well, John, you're, you're you you and I are both considerably older than than Jordan, but I can never remember feeling as worried as I do right now at the state of our union. Uh, I I just, uh, I've never felt, and what the average person is not getting is how frighteningly near we are for a democracy ending. If Trump had been a little bit smaller, it would have been over right now. But the legislatures that are now being put in place and statewide can just, Overthrow elections right now. I mean, that should be the lead story every day on the news right now. Well, let's, we are, let's, get, I let's no point. get to
3: wipe what's happening there. But what, Jordan, let's just have him do the Democrat brand. What would you do about that? Because they're going to get wiped out this this fall. I mean, something could change, right? Something could change, uh, but right now it's a wipeout. And I've yeah. always felt that what's happening with the Democrats—I think you touched on it—they're talking about things that. They're not in front of people. They're, they're yeah. talking about things people don't care about. But you you tell me, you're the brand expert.
2: Yeah, no, John, I think you're, you're in Governor, Your instincts are right. Uh, I think the Democrats' only hope right now, because we are in such an emotional cycle, is a little bit in reverse, is how we bring the Republicans, make them so scared, so crazy, because right now things are not good. You can't point to a lot this far. So I'm going to use the fear thing again, but now double down on fear the other direction. That Look, look things aren't perfect. We're working to get things right. Jobs are at all-time low. We'll get inflation on the curve. And we can't go to the other right, just the other way, because we're going to go off a cliff. It's not it's not right wing. It's crazy tech. And make people that the, know, the, the although not great, is better than the fear of this crazy unknown. That's kind of the essence of where I would go, because you don't have enough of a story to tell in your favor. So I don't want to make them the party of grievance. I want to make them the party of are crazy that we are really heading over a cliff that it's it's crazy town right now and when you put together january 6th when you put together roe v wade when you put together the lack of movement on guns when you when you when you put together uh the insurrection when you put all that together and that this is the way the party is at it's just it's we can't go backwards we can't let that
0: happen you need to vote for america
1: fear works put it in your back pocket and use it democrats
0: That's shopify.com slash system.
1: And now back to the show. I'm, I'm curious. I want to get specific. You, you talked about issues having a brand, and you talked about gun control specifically. And I do think we're watching that happen right now. There might be incremental change that is starting to take place. But if you look at this as an issue that has had very little traction with with a lot of fear in the equation, a lot of heartbreak, a lot of emotion in the equation, but yet it's impossible to move a lot of people into action. where where can uh, a progressive movement look at something like guns from a branding perspective? Like, wh- where are, where are the mistakes that are being made? Is is it? I mean, already you see little things starting to happen with the way we contextualize it—the difference between gun control and gun responsibility and safety. Like, yes. is, it, is it is is the wording around that? Is that going to start the branding shift? Or because it, it feels like we've we've done almost everything else, and, and nothing takes place.
2: It's not look if babies getting killed and getting slaughtered, does it? Move it the way it needs to be moved. I don't know what that's what it's gonna take is a little bravery, a little bravery from a few, which I which I am I, I love the government, because I'm, I'm stunned about this. When you have something that to get morally what's right, and there's a 90% approval rate, 84% approval rating, you know, whether it's universal background check, 70% of people want to ban automatic weapons, and 90% want to make them over 21. So I know candidates don't want to get primary out. But I don't think the electorate is stupid. And I think a brave person that gets up there and says, I'm a gun owner. I'm a Republican. I'm a second amendment thing, but I don't think we need weapons of war. Nobody's taking the guns away. Follow me. I do think there is room and maybe I'm being naive. I do think there's room for a little bravery. And so we won't want to get primary out by right wing. The numbers show it.
3: I, I think, I think, uh, Donnie, that uh, and Jordan. Look, there is going to be something's going to pass, and it's only passing because of where the public is. That's always been my theory, bottom up. I mean, passing red red flag laws will be significant. Uh, doing, you know, there, there's a whole host of things that are coming. They're not banning assault weapons, uh, but there's a number of things that are going to be accomplished here. Which, you know, once uh, one step is more important than no step at all. But Correct. Donnie, we've had a, a question, we've had a discussion about this, Jordan and I have, and I, I actually owe Jordan a call. I think part of the issue is the issue has to be broadened out. In other words, a lot of people don't want to talk about mental health because they say, well, that's just slipping a discussion on guns. My sense is that if you can talk about mental health and that the gun becomes it becomes the thing that's used to to show what how bad their mental health is, then you've broadened it a little bit. It's not just about guns, but you put guns in the context. We have to do something with that instrument. Because if we don't, then the people that have these diseases or whatever psychosis, whatever they have, are going to use that gun. And therefore, we have to stop that. Does you're that? Putting, yes, you're
2: putting it under the umbrella of protection and That's, safety. Yes. And basically, we can't protect people, make people safe unless we solve mental issues and we solve the, the weapons that these people are mentally ill use. So we can walk and chew gum at the same time. So if the goal is to protect our children and keep our children safe, those two things are in no way mutually exclusive. They, 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 feed off of each other.
3: Yeah. Uh, that's
2: Jordan. That's where I was
3: coming from. And we had the last, and I, I don't think I articulated it very well, but the more you can broaden it because you know, you people, uh, now people are on an edge, and that's why they're going to pass something through the House and the Senate. Is yep. it going to be everything we want? No, but there's going to be something, and the reason it's going to pass is because the public understands the issue. But I think more can be done if you broaden the issue.
1: That's you know, I and I think yeah. it we should. For people at home, we, we we've talked on the podcast a lot about gun control and the issues there, and and the governor and I had a big conversation after the microphones were down about that. And actually, I thought a lot about it too. I think. When mental health stuff comes up, I will say it does feel like a dodge, and I would say immediately my my dukes went up, and I started to. I think like I think there's a lot of Democrats out there who feel like we aren't approaching the issue straight on or not dealing with the gun issue. That when you meet at the table, it gets diverted to something else. But I think like I, I will admit I had a same feeling afterwards. I was like, but I. I have faith in you, Governor Kasich, and I do think you come to that conversation earnestly, not attempting it. And it's like I, I think where I get nervous is like I, I wish I could imagine a table of people from the left and the right trying to build a, a a bill around mental health about uh, common sense gun control measures all together that work entwined, Um, but I have a cynical view of the way that those meetings take place and that it becomes a, a chess match to stall for time and that the mental health thing isn't isn't meant in earnest. But I will say this and in talking to you about that, I do think it does expand my point of view on it in, in that I there has to be a more compre- comprehensive uh, way in which to attack this issue. I think it's just my cynicism towards I, a, I a party that. who I, I don't feel like is often coming there um, in true honesty.
3: But let, let me, Donnie, let, this is one thing that I that I, I, I haven't been able to figure out. So we have the loud voices on the right and the loud voices on the left. And then you have most of the country is in the middle. Correct. Okay. So if I see I got to buy Coca-Cola or I got to buy Pepsi, people in the middle will say, ah, you know, and you hear a commercial on either of them and people go, well, I don't know that. I think I'll have iced tea. I mean, this is maybe not the best example. But what's happened today, it seems to me, is though people in the middle, for some reason, have chosen sides yeah. in the past. People would have common sense and say, no, I no, Trump didn't win that election. That's just complete nonsense. Or we what are you somebody crazy? We're going to defund the police. What do you why is it that people in the middle have seen to move to the to, you know, to the extremes and is it because of the of tribalism today? Is it because people are afraid of where the country's going?
2: What do you think it is? I think it's it's tribalism and it's emotional. You take a, a person, a voter like myself, like most people, I am in wardrobe of issues. I'm fiscally conservative. I am a strong law and order guy. I'm a hawk. You know, I'm progressive on social issues. I, everything that you would imagine. Yet, it becomes now about do you stand for kind of fair play or do you stand for rigging the system? Do you stand for, it's very hard to say now, I've voted Republican. I would vote Republican again. I vote for the candidate. But what happens now is when you say, oh, I'm a Republican, if I'm going to vote Republican, you're all of a sudden starting to, you wear those wardrobe of issues like, oh, I think the election was a fraud, one of those 70 percent, or uh, maybe January 6th was just a little bit of a walk in the park. And, and uh, you know, I'm maybe not for Roe v. Wade. So these huge emotional identity issues, cultural identity issues have become, the parties have been co-opted by them. So it's kind of like your sense of self and your self of identity as opposed to, you know how many people have said to me about Trump? And this was the really interesting issue I found with a lot of people that justified for Trump. Well, I don't like the guy, but I like some of his issues. Fuck you, you like some of his issues. You, you like paying one less dollar. Du- one less I'm right dollar with on you. your taxes. I, I, I agree. You it drives know, me crazy you. when they say that. You, you, you're, you're, worried, you're worried about this country becoming a, a white minority country. You don't want to pay an extra dollar on your taxes. And you kind of like a lot of stuff he says so your heart. And they go, oh, I like what he does for Israel. He would fuck Israel in a heartbeat. You know what I mean? It's just like that, that, that was the greatest Trump defense of all time. And unfortunately, a lot of my personal friends use that defense.
3: But Donnie, it's not. And I'm saying it's not just even politics. It's cultural issues, too, where people have yes. decided to move towards the extremes. And in my lifetime, and you're in your, my lifetime, people didn't do that. They were able to sort of sift through stuff and say, yeah, I kind of buy that. and I don't buy that. Somehow, you know, and that's what we need to get back to, because when people are able to digest these things and say, oh, that's nonsense, or there's a good point, or that's a great thing, then you start having the middle assert themselves rather than being driven to the extremes.
2: And why we have this continuing? I'm holding up my device right here. This is the ultimate problem right here is that we all can create our bespoke news. We all create our bespoke voices. So... We it, there is no there is no straight news anymore. There is no everything is, is got an opinion, everything has got an angle, everything is got uh, uh it, it it's very difficult now to have a sane argument with anybody about anything, any debate. What I've always done with people when I want to debate people talk to people, the worst thing you can do is say, You're an asshole, you go to the truck. You can't do that. The first thing you say, <laughs> what I'll always do is you know, I get why you voted for Trump the first time. I didn't, but you took a flyer and you know, the alternative was not very good. And I get that. But you got to give me this. That at the very least, he's not a decent human being.
3: That's right. And then we have, you know, Searching like, for like, the machine. middle. Yeah.
2: Searching. We're not, you, you can't disqualify somebody. Otherwise, you, there's no. But there no aren't enough
3: people doing that. And I can't you figure know. out why we've lost that unless people have just said, I'm not getting involved anymore. It's I can't do it. My family's we're getting fights too much. I'm fighting with my friends. And maybe people just want to time out, and that leads me to the most important question, Jordan. You know, Jordan and I started this podcast. We don't want to be in the middle of a bunch of political yelling and screaming and crossfire and all that other stuff. Um, can our brand, which is interesting people, interesting discussions, uh, things that people haven't thought about, is this a brand that can work?
2: Very much. I actually think what's needed right now. And I, you know, what I also don't understand is why are my Broadcast now, or cable news, or whatever, I understand why straight news is not exciting. But how about something that at least presents both sides? You know what I mean? You don't, like, nobody wants, we we can get our straight news just by just popping on. We don't need, but there's no place right now, if I want to turn on and see a healthy debate, not a screaming debate, but the kind of debate we're having here, the way I describe talking about Trump, it doesn't exist. So I think the market is very much, look, we are a purple nation. We are 80% of us are similar. I, I, I tell a great story. This this was very eye-opening to me. I was on the air a, year, a couple of years ago, and I made an analogy that if you vote for Trump, you have to own everything. You have to own kids in cages, and you know it's just like certain things that the Nazis did, that Trump did. You know you have to take you have to own everything. You can't just cherry pick. So a guy writes me he goes, you call me a Nazi. You pussy motherfucker. You know, blah, blah. and I looked him up. And these
3: people are going to listen to this. Come on. Okay. Okay. No.
2: Well, I'm just telling you. I'm, I'm just loving telling it. You what Donnie, I said. I'm loving and it. Keep yeah. it coming. And, yeah. and, and, and I, I looked him up, and he was he was everything you were not not associated with me. He was from the south. He was a veteran. But but I looked at him, and we were both dads. And I said to myself, this guy is from country. He's a dad. And I wrote him, and I said. Wes, how you doing? Sorry, Deutsch. said, I have to apologize. He anyway, I, aff- no, I offended you. What I meant was this. And ironically, I can see your dad. We probably have more in common than we don't. And two texts later, we're calling each other brother. You know what I mean? And in reality, we did. Yet the clothing that we both wore. Maybe he was your brother. Put us, you know, <laughs> put us in our tribes. And yet, you yeah. know, we, 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 it, and, and that's what people want. You know, we're yeah. so, we're so built in to. This this kind of identity politics right now that I do think eighty percent of us yes there's a ten percent fringe on both sides or fifteen percent whatever the bell curve is but I do think that most of us are a lot more in common than we don't than we don't have in common.
1: Can I, can I can we bring this back to your brand which is yes. brand here like yes. you've talked about this 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 good old days where you could you could take this issue here take issue this issue there and you don't have to buy into this whole GOP this whole idea. But that has changed, and and brands have become more accessible. Advertising has become more in-your-face, and we engage with it now. Even our, our, our culture is dealing with these brands. And like you said, Donald Trump, in and of himself, is an all-time great brand. And when I go out on the road and I talk to people at Trump rallies... You can talk about the issues, but you're not talking about the issues. It's identity. You're talking to people. They want this person to win because that is them. This is their identity. No, you, all you, of actually this is have, you
2: ask them all the time, and they usually have the issue rule. I yeah. mean, you go, I mean, I, you, I, you could make an hour tape film of people saying, here are the issues. I vote for Donald Trump, and they don't even know what the fuck the issues are.
1: It's you know? not, it, those are just the tools used to have conversation yes. that Our are defense, essentially yeah. – fight songs for their team. And, and yes. so I so I see this right now and I, I I understand the desire to have the purple or the ability to to choose one thing about a candidate and another one here, but it feels like we're just getting strengthening brands. And the only way to combat a strong brand is to make an even tighter, or stronger brand. And I think at the basis of a good brand is a value system, but also behind that is like an efficiency of understanding of what that means. And so... How do you reconcile the idea of of finding some sort of a middle ground when we are drawn to an oversimplification of an idea that becomes an identity?
2: The answer is a transformational person. And throughout, you know, the Republican Party was dead until Ronald Reagan showed up. You know, the Democratic Party was dead until Bill Clinton and Barack Obama showed up. And the Republican Party was dead until Donald Trump. So the very thing that you started the question conversation with is that people will talk about the issues but they really identify with a person with a emotional essence. So the right person with the right emotional essence will be able to broaden the coalition. A bit. For instance, if the right Republican could talk to me and you know a conservative Democrat would be able to reach across the aisle and and be able to talk to you know it's all the suburbs, it's all that, so that middle ground is right for that person just right or just left. But who has a transformational character? You know, Biden's big problem right now. The difference between when you when you watch Trump speak or when you when you watch Obama speak, and you couldn't list two more different people. You lean in. You know, is that charisma? You know, and, and I found Trump giving charisma. I'm giving him too much credit, but you know there is. He had a compelling nature to his persona. So you need somebody that has a. I hate the word personality. It's such an old English word, but a brand essence themselves that is able to transcend the issues and bring people together. Donnie
1: You're telling me I should hard, run. I Donnie, should run. That's Don, what I'm
3: hearing. It's, it's, it, yes, there you go. Jordan, you can do it. I, I think it's, you know, today, because of that little box you held up, which is the social media side, it's hard for anybody to become a star. It's hard for anybody to be a tremendously big-time actor. You know, Warren Beatty, who is a friend of mine, Says there are no stars anymore because you know in the old days there were stars. There's not anymore because there's so much stuff and yeah. people get criticized and they get brought down to earth. Uh, I mean, it's that's a whole nother line of we, we could talk. But
1: I wanted to. Uh, I, but leave. I would I would push you. I'd push back on that. I think it's easier than ever to become a star. But I yeah. think that device well, that creates stardom. I think no, and I think it's not it, sustainable. It, 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 it's the only the extremes where the the stardom tends to take hold. Well, take the, hold the difference quickly.
2: is also, I'll jump in also. This is what Warren, I think, was also saying. Movie stars are not the stars anymore. It's a TikTok who's got 50 million followers. Or, you know, so it, it is the classic right. day my, my kids. But then I they're po-
3: gone. But they're gone tomorrow.
1: You can't, you, you can't, you can't hold are. on. We'll be right back. And now back to the show.
3: All right, Donnie, a co- couple other things that I, I wanted. I'm really interested. How, how do these troubled actors who get in so much trouble, or politicians, or companies... How do they come back? I, I don't want to use any. You can pick up a couple names. You're yeah. you're, you're fluid here with your language. Yeah. You come up with a couple people. Yeah. How how do you help them to 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 come back? You know,
2: it depends the. Uh, it depends the crime, for lack of a better word. It depends what they've done. Some things there's no coming back from. You know, a f- physical abuse of a woman, uh, uh, using the n word. Uh, you know, out and out racist. There are certain things that you're not. Coming back, something like Al Franken can come back. Um, Al Franken could win again. Al Franken did a stupid thing where on the plane he made a joke and, you know, and, and I don't think he should have left. So there were certain infractions that, you know, Matt Damon got in trouble for saying, you know, all forms, I'm just going to use this as an example, all forms of, of abuse are not the same. And he's right. They're all wrong, but raping a woman is different than... Giving a woman an inappropriate help, home. don't wrong. I don't want to control you, but like there are degrees. So I think the answer is it depends on what the act is, what what has happened to the person. And you're watching. <laughs> yes. you're, it's a very good way that you're watching your fans you to today. I you, 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 know, you, you know, it's interesting. You, I couldn't have been. A, I was a CEO for 25 years. I just I couldn't have done it today. I mean, with the part of my success was I was very edgy and I would say controversial things and I would was very polarizing. And, you know, the world, one of the reasons, it's interesting, I would have loved to have run for office, run for mayor of New York. And I can't tell one of the nicest compliments I get from people is people stop and you know, go, why don't you run for office? You've got a great head on your shoulders, you know, all of the above. And just because I led a life that was not planned by running for office. And you I have any-
3: Donnie, do you, I, I want you to answer that question though, about how would how companies come back. But another one is, do you think that it's possible for the middle- the middle to be interesting. How does one make the middle interesting? Because we gravitate to the extremes. How do you make stuff that is not extreme? People want to see it. How do you I'm, do that?
2: I'm going to go back to what I said before: the power of personality. Okay. That we, we we are going to keep coming back, and in many ways, we're touching on this theme. The same way I said that you know, we, Jordan. Now, the Trump people were not voting for the issue; they were voting for Trump in, in an essence and an attitude. That I think what makes the middle interesting is if you have a compelling individual, you know, it's always the same thing. Who do you want to have a beer with? That's who you elect. Somebody who is who is engaging and charismatic and funny and self deprecating and, and insightful and and brilliant and so many, you know, Hillary Clinton, a lot of Hillary Clinton had tremendous qualifications. Hillary Clinton was just not an appealing human being. Uh, she just what she was when you meet the world, she's delightful. But what came across was not somebody. Who you wanted to listen to you. She talked to lean back. And that's just a, that special secret sauce, that special thing that some human beings have. Obama had it. You know, Obama was just yes, he was the first African-American president, but he just had this presence. And I remember Bill Clinton when I met him once, he had something special going on. I worked on his campaign. The first time I met him, it's like he almost like toikled. Now his history is will show obviously, and his brand has been very tarnished and rightfully so. But, you know, there are – Ronald Reagan, he just had that thing. Was Ronald Reagan so brilliant? Was Ronald Reagan – you know, Ronald Reagan had the ability to make people feel a certain way. So,
3: okay, you didn't get into how do you bring companies back?
2: Oh, you bring – it depends on the infraction. First of all, it's honesty. You know, we worked years ago with Tylenol. Remember Tylenol I had that problem where – yeah, Oh, yeah yeah yeah, that, yeah, 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 yeah. They we, took all the Tylenol off the shelves. And yeah, J&J – Went through the roof because they did the right thing. We, yeah. work with, we work with them at the time. And the answer is you hit it head on. You say, this is what happened. This is what we're doing to fix it. We are so sorry. We are, uh, you know, and people are not stupid. People understand Tylenol is a really good product that's helped them for yeah. years. And because five assholes went into five stores and lay some. So what do they do now? It's, they change things for the better. Now all the medications have the seal locks on it. So they were able to take a negative and turn it into, not only are we going to make them safe, we're going to make them safer than they've ever been. So I think it's real, real honesty. It's when companies don't come forward. The interesting thing now for companies, and we've seen this, is that how do companies behave in this era when people, particularly young people, want their companies to take stances? You saw how yes, Disney
3: that was, that's one of my questions. What do you Disney, think
2: they need to do? Well, the problem is, is, and you saw what Disney did, was Disney got... Screwed both ways. But, You know the problem is there. I think if I'm advising a company, I think when it's really because if you're a mass company, you have to appeal to a mass group of people. You have to just on things like human equality and racial racial equality and decency. You have to kind of come out. But other than that, you've got to stay somewhat agnostic. It's a problem thing. But what is really frightening is what I call now political corporate terrorism. What DeSantis is doing, you know, last two weeks ago, the Tampa Bay raids.
3: I saw this. This, um, Jordan, this is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Yes. They came, go they ahead, came Donnie. out
2: after the shooting and on their website. They didn't even mention the word guns. They said, we are grieving the lives of, fam- of the families. Our hearts go out. We know things have got to change. Things can't stay the same. And because of that, once again, that's as political as that statement got. Is they're supposed to get $39 million in funding for a new practice facility, and DeSantis killed it. Now that's scary. That's fascism. That's once what, again, it's bad enough if they take a political stand. This wasn't even a political stand. This was just a huge, like saying we got to change some things. I don't think there's a sane human being in the world that can't agree with that. I agree. How did he be? How did he get? Why would he take
3: on the mouse? The mouse always wins at the end, doesn't it? Well, he didn't take on the mouse. He took
2: on. Um, uh, he don't took say on it. Disney. He, he took yeah. on. He didn't take on Disney. Oh. He took. He took on. Uh, uh, you don't want your children being being. Told yeah. about deviant yeah. homosexual sexuality in the second grade. That's what he took on. And Disney got caught in the crosshairs. Mickey got caught in the crosshairs. But that just shows you that no company is not vulnerable to this kind of okay, terrorism. Okay, well, let
3: me ask you this. So, a lot of people inside of Disney said, We expect you to take a position. What's a company supposed to do? Just do nothing? I mean, tell me, what, what would your advice have been to them? My
2: advice would have been, i I think. The Problem is they they waffled a little bit. They k- took a few days to come out. They took yeah. heat from their inner from their employees. So they were pissed off the left and they pissed off the right. If you can, as a company, it's it's really hard. They got they got caught up. And they just got kind of in one of those situations. But I think companies, for the most part, try and stay uh, you know above away from the fray if they can because it's a it's a lose lose proposition. But Every piece of research today tells you young people want companies that stand for things beyond the product they sell. So this is going to become a more and more complex problem for more and more companies going forward.
1: Yeah, I mean, it feels like it's not only is it a, a tough thing to navigate, but I think it's going to be impossible as we move forward. Right? That you 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 have to take a stance, uh, otherwise, yes, otherwise you are lost in that. Yeah.
2: I'm, I mean, you saw you saw two hundred twenty CEOs just sign, uh, uh, you know, a, a thing about gun gun legislation, and so. I think certain things, and they're not dumb. They can read and say, "Guess what? Ninety percent of the people want this." So we're not we're not talking about Second Amendment rights. We're not talking about gun control. But we're they talking went in a group about,
3: too, Donnie. Though they when yes. you go in a group in a pack, you're harder Good to point. take down than if you do it alone. There's well, another. There's there's a I mean, you know I ought to I ought to be a branding expert. No, I'm just kidding.
2: <laughs> I know I got it, John. I got it for you, a lifeguard branding expert. So you yeah. sit. You sit up on the perch, you watch out, make sure people are safe, and then you have people coming up to you hey, John, I have a question about my brand. And so you're you're saving lives and you're branding at the same time. I like
3: that. Okay. Well, how about – we'll have two seats. You could – well, we'll have three. You and I and Jordan, and we could all have, you know (laughs) – Sorry, Jordan.
1: back. If people don't know, you've have, you have had such a fascinating life and have, have succeeded both in the advertising world, uh, you've had television shows that have run the gamut from talk shows to literally a sitcom. I guess yes. I'm curious, you know, so much of this boils down to storytelling and, and how you craft a narrative that is effective. Yes. But how, how is that different in your experience as somebody who's got to craft that narrative, uh, in both the advertising world and the world of uh, sitcoms? What, 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 what are the commonalities there? human stories well told
2: uh, i i mean i always in my advertising date i always i didn't do commercials with special effects and always humanity and great human stories so and you know it's the reason that the greatest sitcoms of all time usually had four actors two or three sets and great writing because they were about you know the kardashians it's very interesting people like to mock the kardashians if you watch the kardashian show particularly the new one that's on hulu it's incredibly well produced, and it's no different than the honeymooners, American Moore. There's two or three plot lines about the family that's going through. You follow those plot lines. It's, it, it, forget that it's the Kardashians; that they're silly. reality TV. It's the same formula that we've been watching. That we, the Cosby Show. I hate to bring up Cosby, but it's the same thing. It's here's what's going on in the family. The brother-in-law got left out of this. The mother's upset about this, and and the daughter brought home a boyfriend that nobody likes. I, I, I mean, it's this, it's this, it's rather formulaic. as believe it is unbelievable as that is.
1: That is amazing to look at. I was watching the recent Jackass film. And as different as that is from perhaps the sitcoms of the '70s, there's a definitely a lot more uh, genitalia that's squished between plastic in the Jackass film. But I think what still resonates there, what what sets that above almost everything else, is you still fall in love with these people who are human with their their friends and their but it's it's a love story between friends that still yes. still yeah. rises above.
3: Donnie, morning, Joe. You know Joe's a pal of mine. I think you know that. Yes, uh, I do. We've always gotten along, and you know. I. His wife and I, are, we're always, I've enjoyed doing the show so much. Sure. Uh, do you, tell us about that show's become enormously successful, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's expanded. Um, so t- tell us a little bit about why it works and, and I think about it's up Joe to, and you guys. It's up, and, it's up to know. about
2: 10 hours a day now. Joe and Mika have become dear friends of mine. It works because it's like, it's really interesting. Just about everybody on that show, I like. They're good people. We've got either what you see on the air, that chemistry, you can't fake that, whether it's Mike Barnacle, whether it's Claire Caskell, whether it's Heilman, whether it's, you know, the Reverend. It's like it's truly an ensemble. Obviously, Joe and Mico and Willie are the hosts, but it's it's really smart television. It is on it's become the kind of political show of record. I think it's diverse. It's uh, diverse. Know, it's it's diverse. Diverse. not a shouting match, right? And it's and the essence is Joe. At the end of the day, is, is kind of a conservative Democrat at this point. You know, I mean, he that is the show that to me comes the closest. And the Cole show also on MSWC that particularly I don't a lot of the MSWC primetime stuff I don't go for. I think it's too hard left. I don't. What I like about Joe's show is that it's it really has a common sense approach to politics they're very talented broadcasters uh it's it's a great ensemble and it's a really important show and they become a lot of these people become Willie's become a good friend of mine mike's become a good friend of mine they're just great people i love going on it's fun it's just you better stay
3: away from barnacle if uh if they don't get to seven seven games in the yeah. series you know stay he, away he, from barnacle you know I, you know talk Mike, to him he, about the red Sox. that'll calm them down
2: yeah the 12 and a half games out i love the yeah. that's <laughs> they never it's interesting all they do is they talk about the damn red Sox. it's very little about the yankees or mets you know the red Sox are just not relevant. but john were you gonna hint on the fact that hey is basketball better today because this guy's just flinging up three-point shots versus in the old <laughs> oh, days
3: it's, it's basketball yeah. so much better well look
2: let me ask this is
3: a good one because Jordan and I do talk about the NBA. So let's take Steph Curry. Yeah. I happen to think Steph Curry's great. Okay. I'm what he's a great basketball player. I kind of like him. I run yeah. into people who say, Oh, he's so arrogant. No. His, his, no. I don't think he is, but
2: some I think people do. Is well, he's arrogant, what he, Well, but what they did arrogance comes from is that he does his little shimmy moves. Yeah. And, you know, he's got, but you know, look, every athlete has a little shtick that they do and whatnot. Uh, yeah. You know, Michael had his tongue out. LeBron, you know, claps the talc powder and whatnot. He, I think he reads like really nice. I judge a lot of these athletes by their personal lives. You know, he seems to have great wife, great kids. Yeah. That's why I don't think LeBron does Same gets with his LeBron. Up. LeBron. LeBron doesn't give enough credit. Uncle he doesn't. When, other than when he did that stupid, silly press conference, I think my thought talk about a guy that has been in a, in the public eye since he's 14 years old. You've never read a blink about anything. He's a great humanitarian. Yes, he I is. know he's from your home state. He's yeah. a great dad. He's a great husband. I live with him, but you can tell, and it's just I don't think I don't think in our lifetime has been a superstar. That has had the, the what I call the human checklist that he has had, and and you know a lot of you know Michael Jordan he was amazing, but he could not take a stand politically. Uh, he was sullen. He had his gambling stuff, um, you know. But this guy what is a spectacular human being beyond being an amazing basketball player. I've I think that's. I've never had the pleasure of meeting him, but that's just from a guy who's just been watching the world. You
1: know, I think it's also a testament to the NBA. I do think they have made choices to let their players be personalities, let their their politics live on their sleeves. You understand where they're coming from, and I do think it it draws people so much closer to these these folks as, as humans in a way that is very compelling and fun to watch.
2: Well, they are able to do it for two reasons. Number one, their demo is much younger. It's much more urban. So that it's it's just like Nike is able to take on certain issues. But what they realized is that you make the sport a galaxy of stars where baseball has missed. Baseball's best players, Mike Trout, Ronald Acuna Jr., Vlad Guerrero. you don't even know what they look like. You know they have not. They don't market the, the individual athletes. You've got these compelling. They should be marketing Aaron Judge right now. What, so basketball is always understood maybe it's because the players are in shorts and tank tops, and they're clo- you're close to them, and they're prickly running around naked. And then, so you see their humanity more. I understand with football and hockey well, that's an issue because the players are covered up, but baseball they're not. And I, if I was in charge of Major League Baseball marketing, I would say who are our eight guys, and that's the way we're going to sell this sport
1: yeah i mean and I think that is there's some wild stat about like the trout is maybe the, the the biggest baseball instagram star uh but in the world of sports he's like 100 he's in the hundreds as far as the number of followers and what have and you just realize there's such yeah. a a social presence for for so many of the nBA guys and just nowhere in baseball yes yes
2: yes a lot of it is just that the league is is uh it's urban focused league and it's more cutting edge and it's more just where the world is, where the world of culture, where the world of hip hop, where the world of entertainment is. It's just like, that's why, you know, coincidence, you see LeBron James producing movies and you see, for instance, the new Adam Sandler movie is all about basketball and all about, which I, looks great. I saw a trailer for it. So it's, the, the NBA has also understood that they are an entertainment vehicle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they market themselves. And David Stern was brilliant. Adam Silver is brilliant. They, they really have been a well-run business all along. Well,
1: Donnie, and We're just about out of time here, but I also see that we lost the governor. So I want to just double check real quick if if he's around before I wrap all this this up here. Does anybody I, know where Governor John Kasich went?
2: I think he went to the beach.
1: <laughs> there you go. You know, those old guys. I'm going to play with it. You know what, Daddy, the governor let, for the folks at home. This is what happens all the time. The governor, as much as we want to pretend like being in Ohio is fine, it's not one of the coasts. And guess what's going to happen? <laughs> Internet's going to go down, and you're going to have to wait for the governor. So right now we have lost the governor because somehow his internet went out. Whatever shack he lives at in rural Ohio. So it's right. just me and Donnie. Tribal. Donnie, I'm gonna I'm gonna utilize this moment I have without the governor to get. Any kind of advice you have for us. You're the brand expert. We're trying to make a podcast work. What do we need to lean into? How can we make our brand strong?
2: First of all, all great brands, I go back to Trump. I hate calling them great brands, start with authenticity. You know, so you guys have to be who you are. You're doing that, you know what I mean? It's like you're both, you're you're who you are. You're kind of like these two people that should never be together doing this thing, yet the whole thing works. and interesting guests, just book people you want to talk to. I, I I spoke to a friend of mine who's got a well-known podcast, and I was debating whether to do it, and she said to me, she said, just talk to people who are interesting, and, and everything will follow. Don't worry about, oh, is this person going to raid? Is that person not going People on podcasts are looking for interesting conversations. That, that's it. They're not necessarily even looking for the biggest name. They want to learn something. They want to be inspired. Uh, it's, you know... I, it's even though it's a young person's medium. I'm finding my age skews. I'm getting a lot of people who are not 18 and 20 and 30 and 40. Uh, so just you guys have got to be yourselves, and the rest will come. I think that's in any entertainment news idiom.
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna take that. I'm gonna steal it, and I'm gonna talk to somebody about how to become authentic. So thank you yeah. for that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you, you know your, your brand has always had it. You you know you what makes your stuff work on the Daily Show. Is it's you're doing it just so naturally. And you're you're not you're not playing a character, you're actually being yourself as if you were talking to these people. and that's what makes it work. You're not coming in and oh, hey, so what are you thinking? Like you're just going, Hey, I don't I don't understand this. You just said that, well, explain that to me, you know, and that authenticity opens up the audience at home and most importantly opens up the people you're talking to and that's why you've been so effective and saying the governor the way he was such an effective leader is what you saw is what you got you know no bull when when you're a governor you're not a governor now you're a lifeguard you're a lifeguard i think you guys are doing pretty good i think you guys are doing pretty good
1: uh, well, Donnie, thank you for coming on our show. You can listen to new episodes of Donnie's podcast on brand with Donnie Deutsch every Thursday wherever you get your podcast. Donnie, thanks for coming on.
2: You guys are the best. Real privilege to be here. Thanks, guys. Stay well.
1: Hey, everybody. Jordan here, uh, your favorite host of the Kasich Klepper podcast. Thank you for listening this far. If you like what you hear, click like or thumbs up or whatever icon signifies a positive reaction we love your ratings we love your thoughts reach out to us on social media let us know what you want us to talk about because i'm tired of answering the governor's questions and i just prefer to answer yours thanks for listening talk to you soon Kasich and Klepper is a production of TreeFort Media, hosted and executive produced by John Kasich and Jordan Klepper. TreeFort Media's executive producers are Kelly Garner, Lisa Ammerman, and Matthew Kugler. Line producers, Oscar Guido. Audio direction by Tom Monahan, head of audio for TreeFort. With production and editing by Maxwell Carney. Talent booking by Blythe Asher. With additional production help from Tim Schauer, Haley Mandelberg, Colin Motel, and Anastasia Ibrahim. This podcast is powered by Acast.
0: Bocas del Toro, Panama. A secluded seaside hideaway. Scott Makeda has no idea that his tropical haven is about to become his personal hell.
3: He literally said, I
1: have the power of Satan.
0: A serial killer pretending to be a therapist.
1: Holbert rents a room and that's where he set up his business as a fake shrink.
0: Accusations of a gringo mafia.
1: Gun-running drugs.
0: A slaughtered family.
1: And then he goes back and he plants another bullet.
0: A killer on tape.
3: Hey man, I'm guilty. Everybody knows I'm a monster.
0: The law of the jungle is simple. Survive. From Tree Fort Media and Village Roadshow Entertainment Group, this is Natural Selection Scott versus Wild Bill. I'm your host, Candace DeLong. Follow us wherever you get your podcasts.